Oh my goodness, I'm convinced that hell may have just frozen over. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Great to be with you for another week. Boy, we are uh, less than a month away. Can you believe it? Less than a month away until uh, we get to the Big 12 basketball tournament that's going to be coming up in Kansas City. Myself and Matthew Postens are going to be covering that, so be sure to, uh, by the way, you're on the radio show or the podcast. If you're only on the radio show, then you want to be subscribing to our podcast because we're going to have a lot more content coming your way with March Madness right around the corner. Then spring football is going to be here. We are doing uh, a great job already. I'm patting ourselves on the back. Great job already covering uh, Big 12 baseball. Going to do some softball as well. So we are expanding this thing And uh, we're also going to be building out, there's a lot happening here at Heartland College Sports, a podcast network. So we're going to bring some exciting names uh, onto the Heartland College Sports podcast network pretty soon. We'll be telling you about. And if you are uh, someone who maybe has, uh, even if you don't have necessarily a professional background, although you got to be good at this to be part of the network, you can always reach out to me, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And, uh, You know, we're working together to put some shows on uh, geared towards specific teams, Big 12, things like that. So hit me up, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. All right, so here's why hell is frozen over. ESPN's headline piece in college football on its website today reads as follows. Oklahoma and Texas who? How the new look Big 12 is ready to thrive. And it's written by someone who's been on this show, Adam Rittenberg. And Adam Rittenberg, I'm not going to read you the whole piece, but he goes on the site here how, you know, Bob Bowlesby said at Media Days, no, no, conference realignment's not happening. And a week later, it broke that Oklahoma and Texas were leaving for the SEC. Then, as Adam Rittenberg notes in this piece, on December 4th, the Big 12 returned to AT&T Stadium for its championship game. The epic contest came down to the final play as Baylor kept Oklahoma State's Desmond Jackson out of the end zone to win 21-16. The game recorded the third highest television rating among the Power 5 title games, well ahead of the Pac-12 and the ACC, and drew 65,771 fans the second largest crowd since the event returned in 2017 after a seven-year hiatus. And, you know, the article goes on to note that everybody said the Big 12 was dead. The Big 12 can't survive. Iowa State's going to go to the Big 10. Kansas is going to the Big 10. Texas Tech's going to the Pac-12. Remember all that? And what happened instead? The Big 12 held together with the irate eight, as our pal and our writer, Robert Graves, calls them. I think it's a great nickname. The irate eight stayed together. They are adding BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF, and they are in a very healthy spot in terms of what this conference can be. Baylor's winning power, uh, not power five games, obviously power five games. They're winning New Year's six bowl games. Oklahoma State's winning New Year's six bowl games. Uh, You know, this league is in a very good place, very good place. And it's nice to see someone like ESPN actually talk about. I mean, this is I am just stunned. I'm absolutely blown away that this is something that came out of ESPN. Remember, the whole reason I built 
Heartland College sports from the ground up was because I thought the coverage of this league from ESPN and others was an absolute joke. And for the most part, it still is. But maybe ESPN figured, well, uh, uh, the Big 12 is actually pretty darn good. It's the best conference in America in basketball, by the way, which it is. It's, uh, you know, the ratings-wise, it's third best after the Big Ten and the SEC. And probably talent-wise, it's third best as well. So maybe, and we have the rights to them, so maybe we should actually promote them a little bit. Instead of just salivating over, oh, the SEC and oh, Ohio State. And, oh, Clemson and, oh, USC. Maybe we should actually focus on this league that is pretty damn good and makes us and can make us a ton of money. So something happened. I don't think this was conveniently just, you know, one of those things that Adam Rittenberg uh, woke up one day and said, you know, I'm going to write about the Big 12. Maybe so. Adam's a friend. We'll ask him. Hopefully we'll have him on the show soon to talk about this. But something tells me uh, that ESPN is realizing uh, they've got a gem here that they don't promote enough in the Big 12, and it's, by golly, it's about time they start damn doing it. All right? That's just the reality. So it's an ESPN uh, insider piece, so you got to have ESPN Plus to, uh, to read it. But, you know, especially now with all the basketball games at ESPN Plus, I have a subscription, so I read it. I know many of you do as well. And it's worth your time. It's on the homepage of the ESPN College football page is uh, where we are at right now. Now, the other, of course, uh, big news here, we're in the middle of basketball season. And the race is certainly starting to tighten up a little bit. But a couple of things happened this week that were surprising. First off, Kansas lost on the road to Texas earlier this week on Big Monday. So then you're looking at it and you're saying, boy, is Texas Tech going to possibly find its way into winning the Big 12? Is Baylor going to find its way into winning the Big 12? Of course, Kansas had dominated Baylor on Saturday, but still, the Big 12 was much more open after Texas lost to Kansas on Monday night. Well, um, what then happened throughout the week? Well, then what happened was a surprise took place on Wednesday night. Oklahoma rolled, absolutely rolled Texas Tech. In a game that, you know, nobody saw coming and nobody really predicted. And and Tech just, you know, Tech didn't look good. There's no other way to put it. Texas Tech did not look good in that game. Came out uh, flat and just never went anywhere. Now, they were kind of due. They had three big wins. The SEC Big 12 Challenge against Mississippi State. Uh, the Chris Beard comeback. Then they had to, or the Chris Beard return to Lubbock, which they won. And then their comeback on the road against West Virginia last weekend. So they had a second straight road game midweek in Norman. Uh, this was a predictable spot to drop a game for Texas Tech. But now the Big 12 race is Kansas in first place at 8-2 and two in conference play. Baylor's a half game back. And then Texas Tech and Texas are each one and a half games back. And I, I, I'm stunned to say it, but TCU's in fifth place in the league at 5-4, and four, two and a half games back. Now TCU's schedule does toughen up here down the stretch. But still, I mean, the fact that TCU is sitting there uh, in fifth place in the Big 12, I'm just, I'm stunned by it. But they still, I mean, their next four games, they've got four, their next six games, they've got four ranked games of their next six. Texas Tech twice, Baylor, and Texas. So TCU may come back down to earth a little bit, but still, but still, they find themselves in a pretty darn good spot, which I didn't see coming. 
Now, if you look at the Big 12 schedule here now going forward, Saturday is a huge matchup for Texas at Baylor. Because you're looking at that game now, and the winner of that game is going to say, why not us to win the Big 12, right? If Baylor drops it, they're 8-4, and four, and then Texas wins it, they're 8-4. and four. And they're both sitting there saying, all right, if we can get some help from some of the teams playing Kansas, we're in a good spot. Kansas then has to play. Uh, it's a 1 o'clock game, or it's a 12 o'clock game on CBS, and I'll actually be at that game this weekend with my father-in-law. It's going to be his first time at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, at Allen Fieldhouse, which is going to be uh, pretty epic. I've only been there once for that big Monday double overtime Texas Tech game a couple of weeks ago. So I'm taking him, uh, college basketball fan, and that is going to be, I think, a, a great time. And we could end up for a better game than I expected with the way Oklahoma's playing, just beating Texas Tech. But we'll see. So you got those two big games that'll help determine the Big 12 race. And then TCU-Texas Tech is a surprisingly big game later in the day on ESPN+. Plus. So there's a lot of moving parts right now. And then next Wednesday is another huge matchup. The biggest midweek matchup in the Big 12 is Baylor at Texas Tech. That will also determine uh, the Big 12 race. So, boy, there's just, I mean, this is an awesome, awesome stretch if you're a Big 12 basketball fan. You're watching the best conference in America uh, battle night after night. Some of the top teams in the country going at it. And all for a Big 12 title, regular season title, as we approach the Big 12 tournament, which starts in less than a month. I just can't wait. I can't wait. So we'll dive into more of uh, the Big 12 basketball scene. It's rocking and rolling. Matthew Postens will join us next. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. He's coming up. As we do each and every time this week, we welcome on Matthew Postens to talk Big 12 basketball here on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and we are, Matthew, less than a month away from the Big 12 tournament. You and I are both going to be, well, I'm up here in Kansas City. You're going to be coming up here uh, next month. It just feels like this season's flying by, and uh, I'm having a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I really thought that coming off of the high of football, it always feels like there's a bit of a lull. But the way this season's been in the Big 12, it's by far the best conference in America. I don't think you can argue it. It's been one of, uh, I think, the most exciting years is what's been a, a string of exciting years for Big 12 basketball. Yeah, I, I think it's the the change at the top with Baylor winning the national championship last year. Kansas, obviously, still being really good. But now there's excitement at Texas because of Chris Beard. There's excitement at Texas Tech because you know Mark Adams has done such a great job in his first year. Iowa, there's excitement around Iowa State, even though I know they're under 500 in conference now. But, you know, T.J. Altselberger certainly has that program pointed in the right direction. There's a lot of new coaching, um, a lot of teams that I, I think people were not expecting to be above 500 at this point. And, of course, like you said, you know, every analytic, the eye test tells us that the Big 12 is the best conference in the country. You know, I get asked that question a lot. And, and other years I hedge, you know, SEC could be there, Big Ten could be there. I really don't think that's the case this year. I think one to ten, this is the best conference in the country. Yeah, I, I mean, I could not agree more. And you just look around this league and you say, okay, well, Iowa State's in the basement at three and eight right now in league play, but this is a team that was ranked. Were they in the top ten, or did they get as high as top fifteen uh, earlier in the season? They, they were in the top ten for a week or two, I believe. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. Yeah. January. Yeah. So I mean. 
and you know they just fell out of the top 25 this week so i mean they they built some respect with what they did in the non-conference uh they built some respect with some early wins i still think they're going to the ncaa tournament but you know their their problem as we've talked about before is that they offensively speaking they have a ceiling and they don't really have a lot of additional consistent scoring options outside of isaiah brockington yeah now let's go to the top of the conference right now uh, Kansas and Texas Tech both dropping games this week. Kansas losing to Texas, Texas Tech losing to Oklahoma. So now we've got four teams within a game and a half of each other, Kansas, Baylor, and then Texas Tech and and Texas. Which one of these teams right now are you saying to yourself, I, I still feel the best about fill-in-the-blank winning this league? I still feel the best about Kansas. You know, they've, they've got a game on the field. Uh, I know they've still got to play Texas again. They've still got to play uh, Baylor again. So they're, they're not going to get off scot-free. They've still got some big games to play. But, you know, even if they lose one of those games, either to Baylor or to Texas, you know, they're still going to have at least a one-game lead on Texas. You know, Baylor and Texas play each other this weekend. They've got to play each other again. Uh, Texas Tech has to play Texas again. Baylor has to play um you know, a couple of other teams again. So there's a there's an attritive effect here that allows me to say, you know, Kansas is in the best position because A, you know, generally speaking, they're play pre- playing pretty well across the board. But B, because they only have two conference losses and because the Big 12 schedule is such that most of these teams still have to play each other at least once at the top, chances are Kansas will probably emerge as the number one uh, team in the conference in the regular season and be the number one seed in Kansas City. Uh, that that um, certainly appears to be the case. Now, when you look around this league and, and the surprises, uh, think about TCU sitting there at 5-4 and four in conference play, two and a half games out. They're not going to win the league. They have a backloaded schedule. It gets much more difficult here coming up. But what is it about this TCU team where you said, boy, I mean, no one saw this coming. I know we touched on what Jamie Dixon did last week, but – uh, you know, so far still, they're they're keeping this thing on the right track, and uh, it's been very impressive, very impressive to watch. And now they go to Lubbock yeah. in what could be a season-defining game here on Saturday. Yeah, it could be a really interesting game. Uh, hopefully Mike Miles will be healthy and ready for that game because TCU does need him. Uh, if they're going to be a team that wins 2021 20, games, they've got to have their best guard on the floor. But, you know, the last two games they played uh, previous to this, they, they didn't have him. He was, uh, he was injured. So Damian Baugh, Chuck O'Bannon, Emmanuel Miller, uh, these guys have picked up the slack. And when, Miles, when Mike Miles is on the floor with those guys, he makes them better, and by extension, they make him better. Uh, what's really happened over the last month is that Baugh and O'Bannon have really emerged as good perimeter scoring options, consistent options for TCU and that's made them much better on the offensive side uh, I still think they're a you know a, a average or slightly above average defensive team uh, but they now have three or four scoring options that can consistently put the ball in the basket for them and that's something they didn't have probably about a, about a month month and a half ago yeah no I, there's there's no doubt about it uh, Texas Tech's loss are you at all concerned about uh, the Red Raiders right now or do you think they were due after emotionally charged win against Texas, having a comeback on the road against West Virginia. And this just kind of felt like a, a letdown game, second straight road game as well for the Red Raiders. Uh, they might have been due. You know, the thing is, you know, Oklahoma's really desperate uh, going into that game because they had, they've been in their own trough for the last month, and now they're kind of on the outskirts of potentially being a bubble team in the NCAA tournament. 
you know, they played with a lot of desperation uh, in that game. And Emojo Gibson had a huge game, you know, eight three-pointers, 30 points overall. Tech, I thought, played really good defense. But what Oklahoma did to Bryson Williams is really interesting, and I think you're going to see a lot of teams copy it moving forward. They played defense on him in a way in which when he posted up, they doubled him up on the strong side, which means basically once he gets the ball, somebody from the perimeter drops down and double teams him to try to get the ball out of his hands. And, you know, it's Chris, Chris Spatola, who was calling the game, made the point that because Texas Tech is not a high volume or a high percentage three-point shooting team, Williams kicking it out to a perimeter player isn't going to yield the kind of results that it might for other teams. So I feel like this is probably a one-off game for them, you know, probably a game that they were due to lose. But I think it also does show Texas Tech that they've got some things to work on, specifically, specifically getting better from the three-point line and getting better at stretching teams out of the paint on the offensive side with what they're doing with their different sets. You know, we've talked about Bruce Weber being the guy on the hottest seat here in the Big 12 for obvious reasons. He has won two of three, beat Oklahoma State, uh, beat TCU on the road, and then, of course, uh, lost to Baylor, which everybody expected. Is is What is Bruce Weber, I guess the best way to put it is, what does Bruce Weber have to do in your mind to keep his job? That's a good question because, you know, Nigel Pack is just having a huge season yeah. right now for them. I mean, he's playing at a, a all-Bay 12 first-team level right now. And I feel like if they're 500 or better, that might not be enough. But if they can find a way to sneak into the NIT, which would require them to be above 500 or at 500, and maybe win a couple of games in the NIT, that might be enough to get Weber another year. You know, because I think the administration might say, well, we're, we're finally moving forward. You know, we're finally building some momentum. I know there's a significant fan base there at Kansas State that wants him gone. Uh, and I think now I'm beginning to see this little thread of, you know, there are fans who are worried that PAC is going to transfer if they keep Weber. Uh, and that's not, that's not coming from anywhere journalistic. That's just fans on Twitter talking. But if, you know, if PAC were to transfer away after the season, that would be a huge hit to the development of this program. So it, there's a lot of different factors involved, but I think if they finish above 500 and get into the NIT, I think there's a, fairly good chance that Weber could be back next year, but I think if they end up finishing above 500 or below 500, I, I think that's going to cause their AD to take a long, hard look at the situation and perhaps make a change. Yeah. I mean, K-State fans don't want to hear winning two NIT games keeps you in the mix, you know? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't. <laughs> they probably don't. But, yeah. you know, I think there's some investment in what Bruce Weber's trying to do from the administration there. And, you know, it, it you know a couple of NIT wins may, might still not be enough for them to keep them around. It's it's been tough because they didn't do enough of a good job of pro, of player development and having players behind those big three that got them to the elite eight a few years ago. That was their miscalculation. They didn't have enough in the tank after that, and that's part of the reason why they're trying to dig out of this hole right now. I'll be intrigued to see, by the way, uh, we got about, oh, a minute or so, what happens here with the Mountaineers and Bob Huggins. It's weird to think of an NCAA tournament without Bob Huggins. What's gone wrong there? I know they got a win over Iowa State here uh, recently, but, I mean, that was a seven-game losing streak before then. So what can Bob Huggins do? Can can this team make a uh, make a run, or is there just too much ga- ground to make up? 
Um, I think they can make a run. I think what they just have to do at this point is they know what their deficiencies are inside. They don't have enough offense uh, on, on, in the paint. So they really just have to sell out in the perimeter. I would play as much as possible, play Sherman, McNeil, and Curry, and Bridges together. You know, put all four in the starting lineup if you need to, and just plug in Osaboyan or whoever else makes sense on the inside and just tell them to rebound whatever doesn't go in the basket. Because, you know, honestly, Sherman and McNeil and, and Curry are their three best assets on the offensive side right now. You know, it puts them in a bit of a bind defensively on the other end if you're playing a team like uh, uh, Texas Tech that has a lot of size. But they've got to do everything they can to maximize their ability to get into the tournament. And I think that lineup gives them the best chance to win every night. He's Matthew Postens. Another exciting week in a Big 12 hoops ahead. He'll be up here in Kansas City next month. Matthew, always good to have you on. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Pete. Great stuff there. Always appreciate you joining us. Hey, before you leave, hit that subscribe button. And if you want a free Heartland College Sports koozie, leave a rating and review on this show. It'd be a great help to do that before March Madness when, you know, a lot more casual people start searching for the show and getting on the show. And we want to keep beating out ESPN and CBS and others on the Big 12 podcast scene. So if you could take a moment, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Leave me a rating and a review. And um, send me a screenshot of your rating and review on iTunes to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we'll get you hooked up with that free koozie. Can't thank you guys enough. Appreciate all you do. And we'll talk to you soon. Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Take care.